Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, where it's my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And today I'm joined by Dustin Freund of Innocent Traveler Games. Welcome to the show, Dustin. Thank you, Jack. I'm thrilled to be here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, we got a lot to talk about, but first off, I've talked to so many people from various companies with all kinds of different company names, but there's something so enticing about the name Innocent Traveler Games to me. So what's the story with that? I did not expect that to be the first question. Uh, it's I keep you on your toes here on the Cardboard Herald, <laughs> you know? That's awesome, man. Back in high school, my friend and I started uh, electronic group, uh, if you will. So we just made a bunch of electronic music together. We were known as a trap for two. Um, and the album that we were creating was going to be called Innocent Travelers. So a trap for two was the name Innocent Travelers. That's a full sentence. Where that sentence came from, a trap for two Innocent Travelers was a Wizard of Oz poster in my friend's basement. And it said, the Wicked Witch of the West sets a trap for two Innocent Travelers. And it has Dorothy and I think the Tin Man up there. So we're like, how cool is that? A trap for two, Innocent Travelers, Innocent Traveler Games. Let's go. That's perfect, man. And hey, that's a little bit different than my high school experience. We were playing around with some some digital stuff, but we didn't have a big electronic presence in our school. So what mm -hmm. were some of your influences that you were like, man, we got to start making some EDM like these guys? Awesome question again. I'm really excited to be talking about this. Uh, so I was born in 82, so I'm, I'm 37 years old. And um, in high school, uh, I discovered Aphex Twin. I just randomly happened to be wearing this the Aphex Twin logo. And this guy is a creative genius and uh, uh, very inspirational to me in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, I'd say back in high school, I was kind of searching for my identity. Who am I? What am I good at? Um, I was okay at sports. I was okay at, at some things, okay at writing. Um, and for whatever reason, I started gravitating towards electronic music. I was like, let's give it a shot. So, um, yeah, so I just fell in love with Apex Twin and Square Pusher, Plaid, Boards of Canada, all those guys. And uh, just tried to start recreating some of that stuff myself and fell in love with it. And I, I think that's what kind of uh, uh, made me fall in love with just being creative. And uh, that's where we're at today. So the electronic career, I realized it was fun. It was a hobby. I cherished those days. Um, but I knew it was, you know, kind of a, a thing that was just a, a fun period in my life. And there were lots of other uh, artists that could do it better with better equipment and all that stuff. So I left it to them and I moved on in some way to board games. Yeah, which you're doing now. You have Ghosts Betwixt. Tell the, the audience about this game. If they're not familiar with the, yeah. the recent Kickstarter or the upcoming Kickstarter with this, how would you kind of consolidate the concept of this game? The Ghost Betwixt is a... It's a beast. Uh, there's a lot. There's there's a lot going on here. Um, yes, uh, our first Kickstarter will just address this. Uh, I believe July 16th is when it launched. The best way I can explain it was the Ghost Betwixt uh, Kickstarter one was the full story, and I'll I'll tell I'll talk more about the story of this game because it really is a story uh, first and foremost with a, a board game wrapped around it. So. I tried to tell the full story of the Ghost Betwixt in that initial Kickstarter launch, which 
takes you from a farmhouse to a haunted basement to corn mazes to outdoor environments, um, all sorts of other creepy places you might find in the Halloween season in the Midwest, which is where I'm from. Um, so I tried to tell this full story that takes you across all these different locations. Um, to explore all those locations requires a lot of map tiles. Um, it's it's not the Gloomhaven strategy wasn't going to cut it. Not not to take anything away from the amazing Gloomhaven, but they are like kind of generic um, map tiles. In this game, if you're in a corn maze, it's got to look like a corn maze. If you're in a uh, haunted cider mill, it's got to look like that too. So the game got big. Um, so therefore the price was elevated to 85 bucks, a little higher than I wanted it to be. Um, the shipping was a little high. The goal I had to set was a little bit high to incorporate my entire vision into this game. Um, so we had a lot of success in the first 24 hours. We were 25% funded after just one day, which was really exciting. And then we totally plateaued off um, after our early bird backers were exhausted. So what uh, we got a lot of positive feedback on a lot of positive comments. The only really negative comments we got was on that price. So we decided to um, sh cancel it for now, look at our costs, um, what can we do? So what we're gonna do now is, I hate to use the word split the game, but we're essentially splitting the story and some of the components to make it more accessible um, to somebody that doesn't wanna invest you know, quite that much in a game, which I totally understand. So what we're doing is, like I said, splitting the game, and this Ghost Betwixt Part 1 is going to be the first half of the environments. And what I would say is we're going to more responsibly use those components and build more missions and additional story with those initial components. So it's still going to be a full game, a full experience, but the story is going to continue into Part 2 at a later date. And it's a one-to-four player, fully cooperative dungeon crawler type game, right? Like if we're distilling it just down into the most basic of labels, that's what we're looking at. You move characters around, you have abilities, there's going to be a campaign where you're carrying things over from one mission to the next, and this is a story set in the Midwest with hopefully lots of spooky locations. So The Ghost Betwixt is a uh, story set in the 1990s. This is a, uh, like you said, a cooperative dice rolling dungeon crawler. And um, the best way I can put it is it's broken down into three main uh, segments, if you will. So segment number one, which to me is the most important, is the story. Um, this is a story that I've been working on for far longer than even this game existed. I've been working on the game itself for over three years the story for probably six or seven years. So um, this is a story I've been wanting to tell for a long time. And then it evolved from a novel into a board game. I just thought it'd be more fun to, instead of read about this story, um, I fell in love with board games and dungeon crawlers. And I was like, wouldn't it be more fun to actually interact with this story in these locations and these family members and these monsters and find out what this uh, mysterious Binner family is actually up to. So so that's like segment one of what the Ghost Betwixt is. Segment two is, I would say, the dungeon crawling part that you mentioned. Um, to me, dungeon crawling, a big part of dungeon crawling, um, why I got into dungeon crawlers, um, is that feeling you get when playing Diablo, if you will. Um, you go into a mission or, or a level, and it's an environment, but you have no idea what's behind the next door. 
and what is what type of room is it going to be a hallway is it going to be a small room is it going to be a big room is it going to be a butcher yeah is is the is the butcher right there um what what's back there is it treasures it traps you have no idea so um rather than making a skirmish game like a uh, you might call it descent or imperial assault which again i love those games too um but i feel like that element of what is behind the next door and your objective um you know, one of our objectives is to, uh, this might sound kind of funny, but one of the objectives and one of our missions is to find a vending machine. Uh, so to where you're going to spend your money to get some healing items and some new weapons. So you might find a split in the road and you don't know if the vending machine is this way or this way. So you might run into a dead end or you might run into it. So I really wanted that element. So dungeon crawling, um, that random environment where you just don't know what's coming next and there's lots of surprises. That was important to me. And then lastly, the third segment of the game is the dice rolling component that you mentioned. Um, I wouldn't call this a dice chucker necessarily because there's a lot of strategy in the combat. Um, rather than just moving your characters next to monsters and fighting, um, you have to prepare your attacks um, to be successful. So what I mean by that is um, obviously you get two actions per character during your activation. Um, obviously move, attack, use an item, those sorts of things. But a new element that I wanted to introduce was you can take an offensive stance or a defensive stance. Um, an offensive stance, which you can only do on your second action, allows you to add one more die to your pool for the next attack you do. So obviously that's your second action. So you're going to have to plan that uh, offensive stance for your next turn. Um, similarly, for your if you take a defensive stance, you may see that a monster is about, about to attack one of your squishy characters, and you might want to take a defensive stance to prepare for that attack. So um, that component, along with um, you can anticipate what the monsters are going to do, but there's an element of unpredictability there. And then there's um, a lot of different uh, family member talents that you have to use effectively to be successful. So there's a lot of decisions to make in the combat. That was very important to me. So. In a nutshell, that's kind of what the Ghost Betwixt is. So you're sitting around, you're writing this story, and then you go, you know what, this would make a great game. I'm falling in love with these dungeon crawler things. And, like, it takes a certain audacity, right, you know, to, <laughs> to be someone who's just a fan of, of, of board games to be like, I'm going to make a board game, let yeah. alone actually try and bring it to the world. I mean, that that's like... You know, if you're sitting there listening to Aphex Twin and you're like, yo, I could do this. I'm just going to make one of these and put it into the world. Do you think that there was something that you felt was like really compelling you to the art of board game design and the, the creativity involved? Was it just you needed a platform in order to tell this story? Or did you think that this was tapping into a particular skill set of you as an individual? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, I'll tell you the exact process that happened. Um, I'm working on this this story. Um, I uh, I'm a fan of disc golf, and a lot between disc golf and mowing my lawn and driving to and from work is where this story was concocted. So uh, you'll see in the story it begins on a disc golf course. Where it came from, this story's going on, and. Um, 
I've always been a fan of video games, right? Just just like pretty much everybody our age growing up. And to me just recently, what I fell in love with when it came to video games, like we talked about Diablo and Final Fantasy 1 and, and just some of those old games, uh, Chrono Trigger, Earthbound. The classics, the best. Yeah. Just missing a little bit from today's modern games for me. I remember one day I was at the mall. I went into a uh, toy store, game store, and I, I didn't know anything about board games at that point. I didn't know how cool they were. I didn't know all the different genres. I knew nothing. And I saw uh, the Dungeons and Dragons adventure series Legend of Drizzt. And uh, I was like, man, this looks like it might be pretty neat. Um, and I checked it out, and and it looked really cool. I didn't end up buying it, but I did more research on these tabletop dungeon crawlers, and I'm like, maybe this is what I'm looking for to fill that that gap that I'm just I'm losing from today's video game. So, Descent uh, Second Edition was the first game I ever bought, and I found a passion uh, that I didn't know existed. So, just fell in love with it from that point forward. What happened was I bought Descent 2nd Edition, played the heck out of it, but there were some things that I'm like, I love this game, I'd give it an A probably, but if it were up to me, I'd tweak this or I'd tweak that. So I would, I'd find myself house ruling a few things. And then uh, it was one day, three summers ago, I was mowing, the, mowing my yard and I was thinking about this story. I was thinking about all these games I like and all these house rules, I'm like, Let's do it. Why not? What's there to lose? Um, doesn't cost any money. I can buy, you know, all this cardboard back here and, uh, you know, make my own tokens and things like that. And why not just give it a shot? And, uh, yeah, three years later, uh, here we are. And it just, uh, to answer your question fully, once the process started getting going um, and I started implementing some of those house rules, it just started creating this package. And I was able to rely on the story and the narrative to drive like the objectives of what you're trying to do in each mission. And um, thematically, um, the story is worked into like every card, um, all the flavor text of all the weapons and talents and monsters, it all feeds into the story. So, so yeah, so that story um, is, is the core of, of the game and that, creativity and that, that passion I had for the story seeped into actually creating this game. And it was learning mechanics and understanding game design. Um, so it required a lot of research, a lot of uh, board game design lab um, podcasts and uh, channels like yourself interviewing Jerry Hawthorne and people like that, that I over the last several years have like just really studied and learned a lot and, and put in my own um, thoughts and, and ideas. So it's, it's, um, I'm excited where we're at. That's one of the cool things about board game design lab. I mean, uh, among other things, uh, but you know, Gabe has given such a, a fantastic platform to onboard people who are interested in game design. And that, that just makes an inherently compelling podcast and a valuable yep. tool for so many people. Now this Kickstarter that you did, was it the first time that you've ever like had a creative work that you kind of put out there in the world? I know you were talking about yeah. how as a kid you were doing the music thing, but was like the this the the culmination of of all this creative energy that you've had over the years and been like, here, this is the first time where I'm really going to take a chance on myself in adulthood. Absolutely. Um, so I'm a I'm a writer by trade, a copywriter. Um, I'm not a 
uh, fantasy writer, fiction writer, anything like that. But I write about industrial safety equipment and stuff. So that's awesome. So to answer your original question, indeed, uh, this was the first time um, I have, you know, I've invested a lot, a lot of my time. I've working on this funny thing behind me. Uh, it's taken me away from my my family at times and from friends at times because I have to get it done. I I committed to it. I made a commitment to myself and and everybody. Um, we have to get it done. So uh, it's simple as that. So, anyways, yeah, putting it out there. Uh, you know, launching the Facebook page and and trying to get more visibility on it. This and that is one thing. But going to a convention as a first time developer. Um, is nerve wracking, you know, nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows what this game is. Um, trying to get a group of people to sit down and play dungeon crawler they've never seen before, um, is not easy. Uh, so you kind of have to convince them, but we've had some good playthroughs, but yeah, when the Kickstarter launched, um, I'm a spaz and I'm looking at that thing every probably 20 seconds and yeah, I happened to be yeah. in Seattle um I was in Seattle for business uh out there by myself the day that it launched and uh, I'm just walking around downtown Seattle just looking at that thing and obsessing over it and it was really exciting and scary and uh emotional roller coaster because like I said after that first day it's like yes this is gonna happen and then second third day, it's like oh man we have plateaued what's next but um that said, I believe in this. There's a lot of people that are excited about it. Um, it's not a mainstream IP whatsoever at this point, but my goal is to, I don't care if we make um, a penny, you know, we, we reach our goal by a penny. Uh, as long as we fund and I can print this and get it into the fans, the backers' hands who have been looking forward to this for a while, that's like my number one goal. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, very nerve wracking. Um, disappointing. I'm, and I was disappointed for maybe two or three days. Um, after that, I realized um, there's a solution. I had a great discussion with uh, Cole, our graphic designer. He's responsible, him and Travis, for how awesome this thing looks. And uh, Cole's like, dude, let's go back to the original idea. And I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but the original idea was to split it up into two, part one and part two. So we're, like I said, we're doing that and we're confident that that's the right way to go um just to get that price down get that barrier to, barrier to entry a little bit less and uh yeah we we're, we're confident we're gonna have success this time and it's people like you uh that are gonna help us get there so again i appreciate you having me on who do you turn to in order to like stay resilient because like I, I relate to you in a lot of regards. I mean, some of the touchstones that you talked about with, like, video games. You mentioned Diablo earlier, Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger. Like, Chrono Trigger is probably up there in top five favorite games of all time. And also, I was someone who played in those punk bands and those uh, heavy metal bands in school. The closest I got to getting into any sort of electronic music was like, I don't know, we'll cover some Nine Inch Nails. Um, you know, a little Trent Reznor Industrial worked its way in here and there. But as far as, like, when I started this podcast and then ultimately going into, um, into like, video work, it, it, it's such a vulnerable thing to be a creator and to, to put things that are 
earnest and representative of yourself and especially if you were very creative in your youth and you maybe were more outgoing in your youth and then that kind of went by the wayside and it feels like oh man now I'm I feel like I'm 15 again and putting this out there and that vulnerability means that you have to turn to someone who's really confident in you, who who lifts you up when you're like, man, am I am I terrible? Like, am I just shit? Like, oh, come on, you know, someone help me get some perspective here. I, and fortunately, you know, if if you have a good support network, you're you got a, a spouse or a, a partner or friends or parents or someone who who just have something that they can say to lift you up, to give you that confidence to to carry on and stay resilient and, you know, actually stand back up and say, no, it didn't work the first time. Let's try something else because I know I have something to say. So who is that support network for you? Easy. Uh Great question, but easy answer. It's my dad. Um, he's been there the whole time. Ever since I started this silly, crazy idea, uh, he believed in me. And I feel like he was just right there. He knows nothing about board games. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. But he has listened to every single little thing I have to say and tried to understand. And he, he does. I mean, he doesn't just hear me. He really does listen. So whether it's you know, driving out to the casino with him or, you know, driving to uh, Columbia, Missouri to help my sister move. Um, he's always asking about it. He's always encouraging me. And, and so just his support has built this confidence that I just I knew um, this was the right way. And, you know, there's been times where he's he's financially supported me too to build the prototypes that we have. We have six prototypes out there floating around the country right now. Uh, getting preview videos and things and uh, you know help he helped me um, uh, print those so so yeah um, you know for for as much support as my friends and family and and the fellows helping me work on this um, artistically um, above all my dad is just always there um, to to offer anything he can uh, so yeah it's it's been awesome him being a part of this and I don't know if I would have gone through with it and committed to it if he wouldn't have been there. Well, we talk about a lot of squishy things here, but we can get back to brass tacks with board games and in this <laughs> case, Ghost Betwixt. So as you're preparing for this Kickstarter, like what's the, the game plan? You've already talked about like what some of the changes mechanically yeah. are, but like what things are you immediately going to be doing differently in preparation and how you structure your page? Like what are, what are some of those really important decisions that you are bringing newfound wisdom to? Like I said, uh, reliably use the components, um, going into this, uh, this game, I, I think, I think the first thing I said on this was that the game is a beast. I mean, it was just, huge full of ideas full of hundreds of weapons and monsters and this and that and it, it was a little unwieldy so i would say um as a first-time developer that's that's been a, a hurdle i've had to get over is um you know it's okay to have a little fantasy flight if you will to where they they do such a great job of packing so much gameplay into um, there's the components are awesome, but they they are 
you know, a lot of times maybe it's eight map tiles and that's just fine. You know, that's enough. So, so that's what, that's really the main thing I've been trying to do is to look at each component and consolidate as much as I can. And I'm excited. That's why I've been doing as soon as we uh, canceled the first campaign to today, I've really been fighting to consolidate those components um, while losing absolutely nothing in in the gameplay, so and, and I actually think the game is is better for it. As far as like a big picture, I, I think we should end with the the story because you're trying to be a, a storyteller through this game. You want to have a good game, but you're also wanting to tell something that's that's personal and representative of the area that you grew up in. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of games that are coming out that are set in the Midwest in spooky cornfields and cider mills. So can you tell me from your perspective, like what is so unique and touching uh, about this setting that you, you hope people will discover? I could tell you, I could tell you the prologue of the story, but I think instead of doing that, um, just kind of summarizing, yeah, this is a game about a family um, saving their their child, their brother from this uh, creepy environment. So it's putting everyday people um, into an extraordinary situation. And I think we can all identify with that. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's important for me. Like I love, I love horror stuff, but I really love lighthearted horror things. So this is definitely like the, the Bennert family, we haven't talked much about them, but they are the antagonists of the story. They have orchestrated this plan to kidnap Richie because Richie may or may not have some uh, some secrets and some, some special uh, talents uh, about him. But uh, so I would I would equate the Bennert family to the Burbs. If you've seen the movie The Burbs, uh, yep. it's yeah. So they're it's fun, it's lighthearted, but it's, it's spooky. It's just a great mix. It's just that perfect tone. So that's absolutely what we're going for here. So um, so I would just say you know to sum it sum it up, it's it's this this family searching for Richie, and they're going through familiar environments. Like I said. Uh, it begins in the Bennert's farmhouse. So they literally, um, be, they tried calling the police. You'll read that in the story. They tried calling the police. For whatever reason, the police did not answer their phone. And I promise that's uh, uh, not a dead end of the story. There's a reason for that. Um, so they have to take matters into their own hands. So they speed off to the Bennert's uh, property, which during Halloween, I need to say this, doubles as a haunted house. The Bennerts set up this creepy haunted house on their of course property. They did. Yeah, yeah. So this has been this has been a fun thing that's been going on in Pleasant Springs, Missouri, fictional town for years and years and years. And uh, you'll find out in the story what they're up to, which is a, a secret that I've kept uh, you know close to me and I'm excited for people to find out what they're really up to. But yeah, so uh the family, uh, they take matters into their own hands. They help each other into the Bennert bathroom window. And mission one literally take it starts in the Bennert bathroom. Map tile one is the bathroom. So you start there. And what's behind the door is up to whatever map tokens you draw and fate tokens you draw. That's going to fill out the rest of the map. And you're going to complete these objectives. And mission one is going to lead you to the next step of finding Richie. Um, so 
that's in a sense what the game is about. And uh, it's, I would say it's surprise after surprise after surprise. For me, I just love surprises, whether it's in movies or video games or board games. So there's a ton of storyline surprises. There's a ton of unlockables. There's a secret character that I haven't told anybody um, that you're going to find, and he's going to become, he or she's going to become a part of the, the, the group, um, playable characters. So um, that's a little bit about uh, what people will find in the Ghost Betwixt. Well, I think that if anyone listening or watching this as a video on the YouTube channel is interested in dungeon crawls, cooperative games, solo games, and exploration in particular in games, because that seems to be the missing element that doesn't come up in dungeon crawls that much that Dustin is trying to take care of here, or you're just interested in Dustin telling a, a, a provocative, interesting, and ultimately very personal story that's representative of his interests, his creativity, and the place where he grew up, then definitely go check out The Ghosts Betwixt. So thank you so much, Dustin, for coming on to the Cardboard Herald. Thanks, Jack. It's, it means a lot. I can't thank you enough for having me. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcast, and video here on our channel and website, CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.